This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Futurology with Brett Levy. And uh, today we're going to be having a really interesting discussion on the different sides of social. Before I get into that, just to remember, if you want to get hold of us, it's 0861-555-189. Or you can get us on Twitter at CliffCentral.com. Facebook is Cliff Central, and the WeChat ID is also Cliff Central. So I uh, always like to try to find a, a cool app or something that's a bit more interesting than just getting to the tech speak, and uh, I think I found one this week. It's called Photo Swipe with an F, so it's F-O-T-O Swipe. And for those of you that remember the app called Bump, basically what it does is it lets you take a picture and share it with someone that's next to you. So whether they're on an Apple or an Android phone is irrelevant. And uh, as long as you've both got the app, it's just simple. Download photo swipe, select the photo, swipe it to the left, and it appears on the other person's screen. So it was pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, I've had some good fun with it transferring uh, photos to people during the week. Today I have two guests with me. Um, I have Celeste Nordia from Pie Street Advertising. She's uh, head of social. And uh, I have Calvin Young from uh, Crimson Hexagon, and he works on the backside of social. So I think just to quickly outline why there's a difference and why I refer to the two, um, we as as users of Facebook and Twitter and all the other networks, we sit and look at our screens and we post stuff and we share and we read and all these good things. But um, not too many people really understand what to do with big data, and I'm specifically talking about companies. So, uh, yeah, guys, welcome to the show. Thanks. Mm, thanks, Brett. Cool. Be so, um, I think I'm going to kick it off with, with you, Kelvin. Mm. Um, you know, we've, we talked about the fact that we're going to be looking at big data. And I've got Celestia, as I said. Celeste sits all day long. I mean, how cool is that? You get paid to be on Facebook. I mean, it's like madness. <laughs> yeah, we, mo- most companies ban Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I, and I was chatting to Kelvin just before the show as well, and he, he generally doesn't stay on our side of, of the screen as such. So I think, you know, Kelvin, why or what is the need to understand big data? You know, it's a buzzword. So just take us through this a little bit more. Sure. I'm... I first want to kind of work out what is the the backside of data of backside of social. I'm not quite sure if that's a good place to be, but <laughs> <laughs> and we go there straight away at eight minutes past two. <laughs> so, you, you know, we, we we kind of work with the concept that we have billions, trillions of pieces of data and opinion that people are putting on social media and news sites and review sites and all these kinds of sites on a daily basis. And they're basically putting that data on a billboard for us to take notice of. And what a lot of companies and businesses and technologies are now doing is mining that data for actual insights and um, actionable data that can be used. The, the same kind of data that we use in traditional research. Instead of um, instead of going out and asking for that opinion, we use the unsolicited opinion that people give us anyway. Okay, so I think, you know, if I look at it, I mean, so let's just back me up here. We, you sit down and you've got to plan a campaign for a client. You know, you, you, whatever the brand is, brand X, okay? You'll jump onto either Facebook or Twitter. What is the, the thinking from your side? Is it, you know, the aesthetics? Just take us a little bit more of, of how that page actually comes about. Okay, so, so when we're approached by a client, um, very importantly, and the first thing we need to ask ourselves and obviously discuss with client is, what are we trying to achieve? Um, are we trying to achieve a brand loyalty? 
Um, and with many of the clients that, that we work with, we're not really trying to push sales. We're trying to push a brand loyalty where when people need to buy a certain product, that product is um, front of mind. So very importantly, obviously, the first thing we need to establish is what we're trying to achieve with a certain brand or a certain company. After this, we look at beautiful visuals. Um, obviously, we can't use a lot of text, so we need to paint a picture for our clients. And um, after that, we we then track analytics through the stuff that Calvin Navia does. Um, just to get back to, to what he was saying, the kind of data that they collect is so important for us to have um, because it allows us You're paying to a commission here, Calvin. <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> it allows us to obviously set up campaigns based on what people are talking about, based on what people want and based on what people want to see. So um, that kind of data is is invaluable um, when it comes to setting up our campaigns. And if we could have that before the time, um, it would really help us obviously setting up further further social campaigns. Cool. So I think just to kind of play into that, what's what's really valuable for social media is as you've mentioned Celeste you don't want to go outright and sell um, you want to build a relationship and a relationship isn't all about talking about yourself all the time and talking about your products so if you can tap into what people that do already like you what else do they like what else are they into what else are they talking about how can I join that conversation and complement their everyday lives and then you know down the line sometimes we'll talk about our product um, that's valuable and using social data and social media data to work out what people's interests are and how to potentially complement what they're into outside of me um, is very valuable for companies and brands. Okay, so let's just stay this for a second. I'm going to pretend I'm a I'm a company. I need to get into social. I mean, let's be honest. Cliff Central, as a as a company, we thrive on social. I mean, we tell people the shows are coming on. We tell people what we're doing. Now, we have teams of people sitting here in the studio that are on social all day long. People like Celeste. Okay. There's something happens with that data out there. The data, the, the, there's just this whole pool of data. Now, there's got to be value that's attributed to that because I mean, the kind of software that people use to, to get this information is not cheap. So, you know, as a company or, or someone that's looking at investing, I'm going to use the word investing in social because I think we've proven now social's not going anywhere. You know, everyone's like, oh, Facebook will be dead soon. Well, oh, don't think so. Over a billion users. Um, this last week's been very interesting for Mr. Dorsey on Twitter. I think four executives walking out the door and it's the second time in six months. I guarantee you Twitter's not closing down anytime soon. So, you know, can you maybe take us through? So like Celeste said that she'll start off with the aesthetic side of, of, of social, which I think is the right way of summing it up. Now, when we look at the kind of software tools in, that you have, take us through that journey of what happened. So I jump on, on, on Twitter like I did earlier and I said, Make sure that you remember to listen to the show today. That goes out into the Twitter sphere. What happens next when you get hold of that kind of data? Well, that kind of data mostly becomes important when you start looking at it in bulk. So one person's opinion is extremely valuable and you need to take it into consideration. So, you know, if you are talking to that person, maybe you can go historically and look at what they've said before. But what's more valuable is when Brett has gone out and said that he is team iPhone over and above everything else um and a hundred thousand other people went and said they they're team android um, well there's a hundred thousand silly people out there <laughs> <laughs> you see the segue i'm working yeah, yeah, so, yeah i okay, see that so. and celeste is smiling here as well <laughs> so so that's much more valuable to samsung or lg or um even apple um than you know 
no offense, but just Brett saying I like yeah. like Apple. But if a hundred thousand other people give them that kind of information and they can potentially target the other side, then that becomes valuable. So you you were asking about the stages, I suppose, of how this works for um, for a brand is it it starts with listening. You can't you can't do anything else without listening. So it's it's the starting point, and it just depends on how rich. And in depth, you listen. Okay. You can you can just kind of put your ear to the ground, or you can start digging deeper and get valuable insights. And then you need to have a concerted effort to actually have this two way dialogue and have an engagement with with customers. And that again varies as well. It might be as much as just posting and responding to people's comments under your posts, or it might be transforming your entire organization to be a social media company and have your customer service channels focused around that. And um, and then I guess the the end goal, the nirvana in, in our world is to eventually own that world. So Facebook and Twitter are owned by somebody else. Those people that work on, that play on Facebook and Twitter, that data is owned by Facebook and Twitter. Correct. So, and that is a problem. I think that's where a lot of companies sure. shy away from sure. it or, or shy away from spending money on it. Sure. So, I mean, we've had a lot of learnings and we kind of know what the social media machine is all about and we know what people like. So, Lots of companies are now moving towards leveraging those learnings on their own platform. So they kind of turning social themselves as opposed to running to social media platforms and trying to be social there. Okay. So, you know, I, I've seen some of these tools and, uh, you know, we have words like sentiment, um, which obviously means good or bad or negative. But, you know, the problem that I have personally with sentiment tracking is, well, let's use some of our dialect. You know, that was a sick movie. Now, sick means sick as in non-healthy. You know, um, the, the software might pick that up as a negative. Meantime, it was a positive. You know, how do we navigate around that? Um, how do we understand more about the person? So, I mean, you mentioned like I might post, but 100,000 other people um, might think of, of a different type of phone operating system. <laughs> But, uh, see, I navigated that one, one too. But, um, what I'm trying to get is, there's got to be a way that you can group us on a common denominator. I mean, there'll never be a common denominator for Celeste and I, but there's got to be something. I mean, we both breathe oxygen and, and drink water. Or well, even that, maybe not so much. But, you know, <laughs> you know, how do we actually use that information? What, what tools are there available to us to look at sentiment, to look at, Grouping us as people and, and, and take us through that journey because I mean that's valuable. Sure, sure. I, I mean I think I think there are a number of tools. Obviously, I'm I'm a little biased towards Crimson Hexagon because it does that 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 kind of functionality. But um, the, the, we're lucky to have numerous different tools which do certain aspects of that um, in different formats, I guess, and and uh, a lot of tools suit dif- uh, suit different people, and it's kind of up to the the team managing that to do their homework and see what works for them because everyone's got different requirements. But what what you're kind of talking about is how do you group people and, and we refer to that as, as segments. Okay. And, and and a segment can be defined by any number of things. It can be everybody that follows CliffCentral.com on Twitter. I mean that's a segment. And if we go and evaluate what those people do outside of their discussions with CliffCentral.com we can potentially learn what those people are into, what they're like. How okay, do but that's powerful. Of course, yeah. Right. So do you have, I mean, it's radio. It's very hard for people to see what we see, you know, looking at screens and that. Have you got any examples that, you you know, you've maybe run or some, some previous uh, stats or demos or 
something that you can actually talk us through to to basically elaborate on what you're saying that well these are people that were at that brand site and this is what happened in this other group just take yeah, us through that yeah, journey sure. so so uh, I mean, the segments, the segments portion is actually quite an interesting one. And we've got a, a couple of examples where we've looked at, uh, we, we did a really cool project where we looked at all the people who have ever checked into a business lounge or said that they're flying business class in any way. So somebody who has verbally identified themselves as being a business class flyer. Okay. Took those people, literally took all their handles, created a segment out of them, and then went back over the last four years and try to work out do they prefer coffee or cappuccino to tea. So take identify them through what they say or what they do or who they follow. And then once you've got them identified, you start asking questions about them. Because people who are verbal on social media are normally verbal about everything. They'll tell you which cars they want to drive, which cars they do drive, how often do they drink So just coffee. to interrupt there, are you saying that – let's stay with the coffee example because mm-hmm. I actually – I'm thinking about that now. When I go into a lounge, I will have a cappuccino because sure. there's a cappuccino machine there. Right. So are you say, are you saying that these people actually went onto Twitter saying, hashtag just checked into slow lounge, um, drinking cappuccino? No, no. T- t- take it one step further than that. So once we've identified everyone that says I've checked into slow lounge, you've got that. That's, that's the end of that conversation. Now, okay. using who that person is, go and have a look at any other conversations they've had around coffee and tea and cappuccinos. It doesn't have to be in association with that, with that event even. So, um, because, I mean, that's going to be a very minor, a very small segment of people that actually check in and tell us the answer that we want to know. So you need to kind of start thinking a little bit deeper about how you, how you leverage the, the different angles of data analysis. Okay. Let's go back to Celeste and my favorite topic, Apple versus Android. I mean, I don't know if you've run anything like that or you have any information on that based on what you were saying. <laughs> oh, I'm watching the eyes curl up here. I think I'm about to take a lashing. Right. I'm on a comfortable chair. Let's, uh, let's hear it because there's definitely a grin. There's actually two grins. Are you grinning as well, Minty? Okay. There's three grins. <laughs> the mark's yours. Tell me about Apple versus Android. If, if all yeah, that. So, I mean, so, so we did do an analysis on first globally, um, to see who's team Android, who's team Apple, um, but essentially, we asked the question, when people mention both brands in the same breath and have a preference, how does that preference look? Um, and essentially, the, the the results were surprising and probably more surprising to Brett that um, Android won in pretty much every… No, I think we need to check the software. <laughs> in just about every um, geographical area we looked at, and especially South Africa, I think it was about 56% to 44% in Android's favor. Um, but was but what was also interesting about that is we can now go and look at what those people are into outside of that conversation. So people who mentioned, you know, Team Android over Team Apple, um, they also followed certain people. They shared certain pieces of content. Um, they created their own content. And by doing that, they've told us something about themselves. And so if Brett keeps going, you know, I love Apple, I love iOS – um, and I keep going, I love Android, give me anything. They know that Brett follows six different cricket players. Um, I follow a whole bunch of football players. Um, he speaks about uh, electronics and consumer gadgets a lot, and I speak about gaming, Xbox, and PlayStation. And using using that kind of data, I can now go and say that in bulk, Android people are more into Xbox than, um, than PlayStation. And, but Apple people are more into PlayStation than Xbox, all that kind of thing. Okay, so let's just take it back now to the to the. I'm gonna, I keep saying the front end, but I mean, so if you 
you know, when when you managing communities, okay, and people are posting on Facebook or on Twitter, whatever page it is of whichever brand, are you seeing the same type of things as what Kelvin is saying he's seeing, or are you seeing a very different? And why, I, I want to lead you into an example, and then maybe Kelvin, you can answer that as well. So let's say, for example, in Brand X, the, something happened. There was a, an event. Let, okay, let's talk about it. The academies or the Oscars. We all know everyone's saying that uh, there's not enough um, black actors or actresses that have been nominated and it's too white and they've got a hashtag and all these wonderful things. So if that, were, if that was the post that you were seeing on the front, okay, what would you draw from that? And then, Kelvin, the question to you is how would you take that data or, or what is it? You know, how does it go down to the next level and, and what do you target and, and draw from? So, so from your side, do you generally see that in your communities? It's the same type of people making the same comments or do you find they're very conflicting? No, absolutely. I mean, I think I think the kind of people that I see, obviously, they're all going to be pulling this, uh, you know, uh, putting the same type of content out there. But I think Calvin's um, analytics and that that he pulls is far more in depth because what he does is somebody would put a tweet or a post out there. I would see it once it would go through and that would be it. He would be able to actually draw history from that person and create a group that posted, for instance, there weren't enough white people or black people at the um, wherever or, and he can go and take that group and then go find other stuff about that same group that used that hashtag or that said that is that correct, Calvin? That actually said that, and then find pieces of information about them that they've posted or tweeted about in the past that actually puts them into a very certain group of people, which I think is incredible. I must admit, I think I think that's amazing, honestly, and uh, I really look forward to playing around with that software because I'd want to see um, the communities that I'd managed. Um, I want to see some history about those people as well, and I'd love to pull reports around that um, from my side. So um, maybe maybe to follow on from your question of the Oscars and um, and the discussion going on there, because it's a very American or U.S.-based discussion or event that's happening, you could possibly go and split them down the middle and work out which side of the conversation are certain people on. Um, there's the Republican Democratic elections going on. Um, if the government, uh, the, the, sorry, the the political parties involved start analyzing that discussion, which, you know, off the, off the bat has nothing to do with them, they can particularly work out which side of the discussion they should be on based on who is supporting that discussion. I don't know, um, uh, the political parties and uh, the candidates do use that kind of data quite extensively ever since uh, Obama's uh, campaign. I mean, he started the whole thing. Yeah, that's quite true. Um, you know, talking about politics, um, we definitely don't have a lack of political flair in this country. I mean, there's just always something going on. So, you know, have you got case studies of other things or have you got like references to the continent or things? Have, have you run any like local, you know, I'm just trying to get basically a summary of, of the reports as such that comes out. Um, yeah. So, we, I mean, we've done a lot of local, um, local, I, I suppose, analysis, especially around the the whole must fall Evolution, okay. yeah. how, how it started from roads must fall to fees must fall to Zuma must fall to all these kind of things. Um, and we'll, I think we'll release that data a little bit later. But what was quite nice, we've, we've got friends down in Cape Town called Vibrand uh, Research and they use the platform to examine a whole bunch of socioeconomic uh, issues in um, on social media in Nigeria from 2010 till the current day. And 
what they found, they, they tracked about 12 different metrics and indices. And uh, what they found is that the threat of violence or the perceived threat of violence grew from less than 1% to over 22%, which is almost a quarter of all discussion in Nigeria um, these days. So originally it was, you know, the people's concerns were about water and education and all these kinds of things. Now a quarter of those concerns and discussions are about violence and threats and, and, and there's a, a direct correlation to the emergence of Boko Haram um, and you can almost track that uh, over time. So that was quite an interesting one. Um, what was also interesting is they showed how uh, Nigerians expressed opinion on how Boko Haram was funded over the years by corrupt politicians and business people, which is, again, something not necessarily that you'll find on in the streets um, by through surveys. So how does the tool actually extract that data? Because I think what's quite important to mention now for people listening is – you don't have to have like this room or army full of people that are sitting there finding this data. And it's not a manual exercise or, or I, I mean, there's obviously a little bit of an input or, or just take yeah. us. I mean, so, so historically we've, uh, these kinds of analysis tools have used um, a lot of uh, natural language processing. So if somebody says happy, then it must be positive. Good. Yeah. Um, if somebody says sad, it must be negative and everything else in between is gray and neutral. So what, you know, what, what, this particular tool ha- uh, happens to do is breaks those norms. It says people don't talk in positive, neutral, and negative terms the whole time. They speak in a very gray, nuanced way. So how do we come up with categories that suit us? And how do we ask questions of, um, of the data to fit into those categories? Uh, so we, we'd ask, for example, um, let's look at all the conversation in, in Nigeria. And then we start seeing certain trends. We don't need much. We need maybe 10, 20 of each and say, when people talk about Boko Haram being scared in different types of ways, let's put it into the threat and violence category, which we came up with, because that was our question. And we keep doing that for the number of categories that we're doing. And then this incredible algorithm that is like a magic box just goes back historically and does that for all the data that ever existed. How, how far, you say ever existed, how far <laughs> back does it actually go? May, I mean, May, May 23rd, 2008. Okay, that was quite concise. Huh? <laughs> I was ha- like, "What happened on that day?" <laughs> <laughs> so, two thousand eight. I mean, that's eight years. Well, no, nearly almost. I mean, yeah. in May, yeah, it's seven, eight years. Seven and a bit. Yeah. So that's. So I mean, that's quite a bit of data. It's it's almost like seven hundred and fifty billion posts that you suddenly have at your disposal, and you just kind of have to know. I, I often think about it as a big ocean of data, and you just have to know how to cast your rod, and you know, you know. Bring in the big fish. Or like your net. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Screw that. Throw a piece of dynamite and make them float to the top. Um, okay, so I'm starting to understand if, if we take sentiment mm. off the table. And I mean, like I've spoken to Lester over the years as well. You know, it's a case of you can't just go with gut, you, you know, and likes on things that, that are, are, are measures. Um so we go back to the conversations. Let, let's stay with fees must fall because I mean that's still it's still going on now. In fact, uh, at Pretoria, I think it ticks. The the guys couldn't go in or couldn't go and register just last week, and this was a campaign that was resolved. Well, we thought towards the end of last year. So people jump on. They use the hashtag must fall. Okay, which is how I understand social to work. If there's a hashtag, you can track it. You can search it. Celeste is nodding her head. Um, do you use the hashtag? Is the hashtag important to you? Um, you know, you say we ask the question, or, you know, and, and I mean, I know you're not sitting there going, hi, Crimson, can you tell me? I mean, it's not like Syrian if you'd have to use an American accent to make it work <laughs> anyway. I wish. But, uh, um, 
you, you know, I always talk to clients and, and say, you know, if you, if you haven't planned, you've actually planned to fail. That's, you can't go into any without a, a decent plan off. So are we supposed to sit down before we look at social campaigns and are we supposed to run this type of tool or is it more important that we do it afterwards? You know, where does this sit in on the whole social? Because social is so immediate. I mean, yeah. one person says something, all kinds of things happen. I mean, let's look at what's happened over the last week. Yeah, it was a good victory. Uh, okay. And we'll leave it at that. Therefore. But, um, you know, basically, that's the point is that it, it's real. It happens in real time. So what is this tool doing for that? I mean, so I, I think just in general, uh, um, the the use of insights and data, not even just for social media campaigns, for all advertising, for all marketing, needs to be there before and after and during and at, in the moment. So, so the data used beforehand is obviously to validate, are we on the right path? Can we change things a little bit? Um, maybe it gives you a brand new idea that you didn't even think of, as opposed to going and kind of thumb-sucking a nice creative idea out of the air and you know pitching it to the boss, and the boss says, cool, I get it. If, if I get it, everyone else does. You've just made my little light bulb go, and I see yours is gone. Okay, you go. <laughs> <laughs> so if I could just um, uh, say something right there on that note. Um, it actually made me think of a client, but without mentioning any names, let's say we have… Please don't, or I'll have the station manager come <laughs> in and bill you. <laughs> so let's say we have an outdoor brand okay. um, that comes to us, and we now need to create campaigns that focus around the outdoors, camping, um, not like you, Brett, who only sleeps under five stars. That's right. Um, a lot of people actually do like the outdoors and the open air and um, camping and four by fouring and all the rest. Um, we need to go and create a campaign focused around this. It would really help us to be able to listen, um, like I've mentioned, to what people are doing and the kind of people that enjoy those brands, the kind of people that enjoy those activities. How are we targeting them? Um, what are they doing? Where are they going right now? Um, and to understand and to be able to group these people um, into certain groups helps us, first of all, to know what people like, what people want. And obviously, uh, we can create a target audience uh, through this on social media. So let me just wear an, an, an agency hat there, Calvin. You mentioned something as well. That's I had that ah moment. I think the biggest challenge for people in marketing is to keep it real. Yeah. And more importantly, to keep it innovative and fresh. And you said something just now that was quite interesting. You might be able to create a campaign or come up with an idea based on running these tools. So as a hypothetic, and maybe this is what you do, and that's awesome. I'm sitting down for brand X. I've got to do a campaign. Um, I can use Google and I can search to see. Because the most important thing is the last thing you want to do as a branding or marketing company is do a campaign that's a me too. I mean, there's just nothing worse. Okay. So you do the best that you can. You go into the web. You search. You find, you, you know, you read through the blogs. You put in the buzzwords. And there's even sites that are dedicated. They charge you money and you can run campaign ideas through it. So if I had to put into the software um, a competitor brand. So let's say, for example, I'm doing a car brand. Okay. Could I put in a, a competitor brand and you would be able to pull back all the campaigns that they've done or all the marketing ideas that they've done? Certainly. And, and you could even get the the let's call it backlash or response to those campaigns. Did it work? Didn't it work? Wow. Why did it work? Why didn't it work? What what were people's opinions about the brand after that? And did they actually have some kind of purchase intent to buy your product? And this is obviously honest because you're looking at social. Uns unsolicited. That's what I'm saying. It's, uh, yeah. it's yeah. 
So, so uh, just uh, just out of interest, I was while we were talking, I was running something yes on the Cliff Central Com uh, Twitter handle, and an interesting fact came out. So, people that follow Cliff Central Com on Twitter are a thousand times more interested in cocktails than the rest of South Africa. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but hold on a second. It was about a year ago, and I'm hoping that uh, someone is listening out there because I've been hinting about it, but we had a cocktail party well, up on the roof of this building, <laughs> I think, when it first started. And I've been saying, like, look at the weather, guys. We need to get back out there. Hint, hint, hint. Um, okay, but now, how or, or why? <laughs> so, I mean, so, so, so there's any. Co- I mean, let me give you another one. So another one says that um, they're in, they're into Top Gear nine times more than the rest of South Africa, and again that comes down to the fact that we know who these people are. They follow the Twitter handle, so we know who they are. They've either spoken about cocktails, or for some reason they've shared recipes for cocktails, or or that kind of thing, um, or they follow a lot of Top Gear content and talk about that um, and share that as well. So that tells us that when you're looking at, at that data in, in a large group that they are probably have an interest in that, statistically. Hopefully not cocktails and cars in the same time. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, maybe it's a top gear drinking game. <laughs> um, if I could just ask you a question. Um, Calvin, when you run your software, do you have to, do you have to put a word in there like cocktail or does it just simply um, tell you, look, this is what we've seen or this is what we're seeing happening. Yeah, it depends on the question. If your question is, you know, let's investigate everyone that's ever spoken about the word cocktail, then we can do that. And, yeah. Okay, so uh, maybe it's a silly question. How much human error would there be on this? So let's stay with cocktails because mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the phone to ring and either one of the brands to come and offer us cocktails or start spending money in advertising cocktails. But how much human error comes into this in the sense that you've just said, based on the report, and I mean, you've been doing this for a while, so I'm pretty sure the way you put your, your cues and your input in, but let's say we're using the software now as people that are, on, are not experts. Um, the way you put the question in, or did it just scour the networks and come back with cocktails and top gear? I, I mean, how did you get to that? That's what I'm trying to work out. And Celeste is nodding out because... I mean, I could have thought a million things, <laughs> yeah, but cocktails I mean. <laughs> wasn't going to be one of them. In fact, it wasn't even going to be in the top ten. Yeah. You, know? you know, it's interesting. So a lot of these kinds of nuggets pop out when you start looking at big data. Um, you don't even have to ask the question. There are answers to questions you didn't even know were questions. So we we did this one for, I'm going to say a brand name. Okay, go for we, it. We, we did one looking at everyone that likes Tabasco. Um, and I think it's, you know... You know, it's a hot sauce. <laughs> so, um, everybody that. I like, I yeah, like it. Exactly. Yeah, in fact, so, I go to restaurants, so I'll ask for it. And, and that's the interesting thing. People don't go onto social media and say, I either like or hate Tabasco. You no. I've never ever posted, if, if you, ever. If you don't like it, you don't bring it up. You know, it's yeah. one of those things. Um, but if you do like it, what tends to happen is people talk about where they put Tabasco. So, <laughs> somebody will be like, oh, I can't wait for Come lunch. Come on, so I'll get your head. You know, did you see, you really, we didn't even go there. Sorry, Calvin, yeah. I mean, she. <laughs> So, so uh, food, wh- which, what types of food people put there? There we go. And, um, <laughs> and then we kind of start classifying. We're saying, well, is it, is it breakfast? Is it sandwiches? Is it, um, pizza? Is it all these kind of things? And then as you start going down this process, I mean, it is a process. You, it's, it's not a long process, but it's a, it's a process nonetheless that you have to put some kind of thought into it. Um, suddenly this thing pops out that people are starting to put Tabasco on popcorn. And what? Popcorn. 
So, have you ever put Tabasco in no, popcorn? That's just no? weird. No, but but, but small people, the small amount of people that do definitely talk about it. If there's anyone out there that's it. ever put Tabasco on popcorn, please let me know. I, I mean, <laughs> I'd love to hear that. I'd love to hear that. But, but, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try it. But what's the insight there? I mean, the insight is that no no research or focus group is going to have the question: Do you put Tabasco on popcorn? But people are going to tell us. So. What should they be doing? They should go and have the, the Tabasco flavored salt put in Stachinico and New Metro and a whole bunch of brand names that I probably shouldn't be mentioning. No, but I mean, um, there's a conversation yeah. that we get popcorn. I mean, yeah, we have the movies, exactly. we have two movie yeah. houses. So. Exactly. So, um, I mean, that, and that suddenly becomes a product roadmap discussion, which, which wouldn't have happened if, uh, if you just kind of just took your gut and, and didn't start investigating. So if I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking at Celestia because I'm thinking about it again from, from the front side of it. This type of research would actually help you marry brands then as well. So it's one thing to be working with a brand. So you've got, let's go back, Car Brand X. You would be able to actually say to us, well, the people that like Car Brand X are 90% more likely to like Brand Y and, and be able to substantiate so that you could go to Brand Y sure. and say, or, or, so or, or, or organic or food. Yeah. Or popcorn and Tabasco. <laughs> 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 I'm just getting looks from outside. It's like popcorn and Tabasco, really. Uh, but uh, okay, so I mean, I just want to I want to stay on that because mm. you know not everyone's going to get a chance to really play with the software, and they're going to come to people that use it. So, any other case studies that would would give us the? Uh, I mean, I love these tidbits. I would mm. never have ever got to popcorn and Tabasco. Have you got other yeah. cool so, stories? That so, so um, we we started looking into New Year's resolutions. And, um, and, 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 <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and how people start talking about um, how they start planning New Year's resolutions coming up to December, middle of December, then it suddenly hits New Year's and there's a huge spike of people saying, I'm, I'm going to stop this, smoking, I'm going to stop drinking. Ex- exactly. And then here around about the 9th till about the 15th of the month, you start seeing a whole bunch of people saying, well, that didn't quite work out as it should have. Or um, my New Year's resolution fell out the door when I fell out the bar, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Um, and then you've got the small little portion of people who still stick into it and still going on onto the platforms and and the channels and saying, yeah, I'm still doing it, and I hope the I wish these other people would fail so I've got more space in the gym and all these kinds of things. So so that's a very interesting insight to look at how the life cycle of a New Year's resolution um, progresses because people people tell us that and people tell us some amazing things. There's some things you can't use this for. I mean, there's some things that people won't go onto social media en masse and talk about. But people you mean like ministers putting pictures of pe- oh no sorry his account was hacked he didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had the data on that. <laughs> Amazing. I am, so uh, you know the, I mean these things people people love their cars they love their traveling they love their food they they love um, bashing brands they don't necessarily love loving brands I mean that's not something you're going to see and we kind of know that people don't there are one or two classic examples where, where people go on mass and say we love this brand so much but generally if they're talking about a brand they either going to be having a neutral to slightly negative turn on that yeah unless it's android unless it's android team android <laughs> so um put that disclaimer if if you know in south africa we can't use comparative advertising but i mean is this an opportunity where you could actually go into the reverse of that then? So, I mean, again, for community management, you'd want to know, um, you know, what they are really saying about your brand. And then have you got the ability to actually drill down and talk straight to those people or would it just be 
in the ether. No, I mean it's all it's all granular at the end of the day. You know, if you if you see the opportunity to uh, to engage with someone on a personal level, then you must do it, and that's the goal. The goal is to change this one to many relationship to a you know one on one relationship. All right, so we got to wrap it up. So, concluding comments, Celeste, as someone that uses social and runs social communities, you know. What's the takeaway from from these type of texts? I mean, these are things I know you obviously use software and campaigns and that as well when you do it. Yes, no, how? Well, I think I think essentially the software that I use, um, I use as reporting analytics. So um, I need to be able to go back to a client at the end of a campaign, at the end of a month, at the end of a week, and say, uh, "This is what we've achieved. This is how far reaches." Um, We've managed to put your brand out there to X amount of people. And obviously, as you mentioned, it is an investment and they need to understand that their money is going far and wide. Um, what I haven't done yet is actually be able to drill back to 2008. May 2008. May 2008 <laughs> and be able to understand uh, what people have been saying about competitive brands and that. And I would, I'd really like to be able to do that as well when, when creating so our... The historic data. Yeah, historic data is and, great. And your your summary on on it? On, I mean, my summary is that our country, you know, South Africa, we've we've been in this industry for a while, I suppose, and we've watched it evolve. Is at a point where we're realizing that social media is a important business sure. channel, and we need to start leveraging every aspect of it: the CRM aspect, the engagement aspect, away. and the data aspect. Fantastic. Well. Until next time, keep your screens clean and your knobs shiny. This is CliffCentral.com.